Welcome to The Source, investments podcast with industry experts covering the latest trends and insights in institutional investing. My name is Rich Danellen, part of the investment strategy team and host of this podcast. In today's episode, we hear from Kip McDaniel, editor-in-chief and chief content officer at Institutional Investor. Kip recently published an article that highlighted investment, but the article started out with a somewhat skeptical view of investment's position in the market and how consultants, investors, and managers rely so heavily on investment. And he goes on to, quote, bother people to understand how they're actually using investment. I reached out to Kip after reading the article to get a more in-depth understanding of his findings. And I'll make sure to include a link to that article in the podcast description, as well as on our newsfeed. Kip is no stranger to investment, and he does rely on data and trends from us for some of his publications. In addition to his article, we also talk about some of those trends and the impact of COVID-19 in the industry. We touch on asset flow trends and where money is moving across the institutional space. We talk about the search activity of consultants and investors and how that's indicative of future investment behavior. We also mention Omni, our solution which helps asset managers build their brand awareness through comprehensive database strategies, and then also helps quantify the impact of those efforts on the back end. If you have any questions about those solutions or any data we talk about in the episode, please reach out to Claire Spencer at investment.com. With that, I hope you enjoy our conversation with Kip. Well, Kip, uh, thanks for joining us. Um, so you're currently Editor-in-Chief and Chief Content Officer at Institutional Investor, correct? That's uh, true. So um, I wanted to talk a little bit about your uh, a recent article you wrote that ended up highlighting investment, but started a little bit uh, kind of questioning how there are so many vendors or data providers or platform platforms servicing the institutional space. Like, How was that something that came to your uh, top of mind? Well, I'll take a step back here. So I am the editor of Institutional Investor, but I kind of spend a large segment of my day actually running another business within the institutional investor sphere. It's a series of events that we do. Um, and so I sort of wear two hats internally. And so obviously uh, with what's going on with the coronavirus, no one's holding events. And so, um, you know, I'm still editing the media group. Um, I'm still writing. I actually have my first big feature being published next week. The first big feature I've done in a number of years. <laughs> but on the other side, I, I focus on um, sales and distribution. And those are our clients on the, on, the, on the event side of our business. And I'm always just sort of trying to figure out how they're doing business. Right now, obviously, they can't use that tool, which is events. They can't be in front of their customer the institutional allocator. And so I'm always poking around and seeing what else they're using to get in front of their customer. And a huge one is obviously sort of under the rubric of databases and mm -hmm. technology. And so I started exploring that and there's been so many, not so many, there's a lot of players in the sort of institutional tech space. They all do different things. They all have weird names. I sort of made a joke about Solovis, which I believe you, you guys bought. <laughs> yeah, who's a recent uh, member of the investment and NASDAQ family. <laughs> you know, they always have these sort of weird like tech names, even investment, you know, the capital V, I kind of chuckle at that thing. <laughs> but, um, so I started looking into it and talking to the heads of sales and marketing at as institutional asset managers. And obviously, investment comes up time and time again. 
Um, you know, it's part of the NASDAQ family. It was a big, big prominent deal a couple of years ago, but it kind of is, um, it seems to be the table stakes in the, in the data space. There is a somewhat similarity with Institutional Investor. Institutional Investor, we run a ton of events. We, I think it's safe to say we are the largest institutional asset management event provider in America. Um, just as you certainly are the biggest, you know, I said 800 pound gorilla <laughs> in the data room. And so there is some similar, we do, we are in different businesses, but we play in the same space. Mm -hmm. I would argue, um, or in similar sort of market positions. And so that's how I came just to start drilling down, learning, you know, I've been aware of investment my entire 10 year career, but I want to drill down further into what you folks were doing. And you then said you started by bothering people, right? You went out and wanted to talk to people in the industry who... That's what journalists do. We just bother and poke. <laughs> it's, the, it's, the, it's the the mark of a great journalist is just curiosity. Um, and in my position, I am very lucky that I can call up people. And so I'll just start picking their brain. So, you know, in my position, it's usually done off the record. Um, I'll just say, hey, look, like, what are you hearing? What, how do you use, in this case... How do you use investment? Do you like using investment? Is it something you feel you have to do? Why are you doing it? And so I just went and asked a bunch of our clients in the in the sales and distribution space why. And that's how that's that's my method of, you know, with any type of reporting is really just asking questions of people who know something. And uh, the first couple you talked to actually said, no, we don't rely on investment. Um, you know, that was the institutional allocator side. So those are the like the 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 people who would use it for the shadow search. And what I found was I was asking really the wrong group of people. Um, I was asking endowments and foundations who um, not this is a generalization, but they pride themselves on finding those managers that others haven't. Right. Yale, which they often aspire to be. Yale will get out of asset managers when they become too well-known. That's their edge. And so it might be this weird space that investment is not a huge tool that they use. But it turns out I was just asking the wrong type of allocator because I did go to a prominent consultant and I said, look, you know, you use investment. These, you know, two or three people I really like and respect and ask don't, what's up? And they pointed out, well, like, he pointed out that I asked the exact subset of people that might not use investment. So um, when you went to the consultant and kind of asked, what did he have to say about how, how they're using it and maybe how they're uh, providing that data to their clients as well? Well, he, you know, he said that basically the, the biggest um, consultants might invest in their own database, Mercer, Aon, Towers, Cambridge, but below that, it's just too heavy a lift for them to do that. So, you know, you have, investment has aggregated that data. You become that sort of central hub. My understanding is you also help firms populate other databases. Mm -hmm. um, the, um, the Omni product yeah, or something. Yeah, Omni, correct. And, and, um, and he basically said, look, we could invest in this, but why not just use investment as our database that is then, um, you know, used in our internal research is used for our clients when they need a search of some sort of segment of the market. And so, you know, as I said, similar to what institutional investor does with events, 
you know, firms hold their own events, mm -hmm. but they realize that they can effectively outsource some of the real heavy lifting to institutional investor. They're doing the same thing with investment. Yeah. And if we think back to when the business was founded 20 years ago now, it was founded by four former consultants who were doing all the data collection and going, there's got to be a better way because one, this is brutal. And two, it's, uh, it's not our core competency. Like we're in the business of providing advice to our clients, not collecting data all day. Uh, and it was, the company was founded as Investment Alliance. So it was a small group of consultants and investors who agreed and said, yeah, we're not in this business. Uh, we need a central repository for this. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I sort of have a working theory around sales and distribution. I'm always... As I said, I'm a journalist, but I also run businesses. Um, and so it's great because if I get sick of one, I can go to the other for a few hours. Um, but I have a sort of theory that after COVID is done, meetings will be more scarce. The face-to-face -face meetings that are absolutely required for institutional allocations to be made, no one, not no one, but it will be rare that someone's going to hand over $100 million dollars if they haven't spent extensive face-to-face -face time with someone. And that's you know, one of the central quandaries of what COVID has done to asset management. Markets are fine, but they can't, they, these asset managers cannot get in front of their clients. When they do, it'll be more scarce. And so I think that um, my suspicion is that things like investment, things like what we're doing in Institutional Investor become pretty important because the asset manager needs to know more about that client going in because they might have only 45 minutes to make an absolutely perfect pitch. Mm -hmm. So they're going to do more and more homework beforehand. And the same thing on the other side, allocators will have will want to know more about their asset managers that are coming in to meet them. And so I think that there is a growing place for services like investment like some of the things we do at II, where we can help both sides be more ready for those um, extremely important but scarce interactions that they're going to have. Yeah, what we talk about is like you get you get one at bat, and so you want to make yep. the most of that at bat. And a lot of times, people are coming in with way more information than you would even know they have on you already. Mm -hmm. I think, and I think there'll be businesses and that are going to pop up that help even further, right? We can get a lot of data on an allocator, um, on what they're, what, where they're allocating, where they're putting their money. But I think we'll go further. I think there'll be services that start getting into the individuals at the allocator, right? What does the head of hedge funds at Florida State Board, like, what are his quirks? What does he like? How does he interact with the CEO? How does he interact with his board? that information will start becoming more and more important as these meetings get scarcer and scarcer. And uh, we've actually started to venture into something like that, where one of the products we have called Market Lens looks at kind of yeah. mandate activity. Um, but we're collecting information now on uh, those key professionals. So the people involved on the allocator side um, to help kind of put together that network or map of the institutional space and, and who's working with who. Um, yeah. And it'll be a nightmare to keep up to date, I imagine, oh, because yeah. <laughs> you know, like a thousand, let's say there's a thousand extremely important allocators in the U.S. market. And they each have sort of, let's say, 10 team members. And at least one of those team members is leaving every year, often going to another fund. You know, it'll be a nightmare to keep that stuff up to date. 
But if it's done well, asset managers will very highly value that information. We, um, yeah, we, we see challenges in keeping that data up to date all the time when we do kind of large mailings and we see the email bounce backs we get constantly people changing jobs, people changing companies, roles within the same company, uh, traveling and going on, uh, maternity or paternity leave is what (laughs) there are, uh, always, uh, changes. Yeah. So um, you talked a little bit about COVID and something we've done recently uh, in response to it is updated our platform. So managers can start to provide uh, kind of documentation on their business continuity plans and also some of the COVID specific uh, kind of responses they've taken to ensure their businesses are stable and to communicate to their clients. And part of the article talked about you reached out to um, one of the people you work with, pretty regularly at investment to get information on kind of how the landscape of activity in the platform has changed. So we look Mm -hmm. at search activity of consultants and investors. I think in the article you wrote, that's always money with a bunch of dollar signs uh, (laughs) next to it. So were you looking to kind of confirm any suspicions you had on how things have changed or were you just interested to see how have things changed? You know, I was really, I was interested to see how things have changed because then I get to look smart by imparting that to my audience, which is always what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to give um, our readers in some cases, our clients in some cases, and those those two groups overlap. We want to give them information, right? Knowing the flow data of, of allocators, knowing the search information of allocators is extremely helpful to like product development groups within asset managers. It's very helpful for sales and marketing teams to know where to put their their resources mm-hmm. in the future. And so I was just interested to see what was happening there. Um, you know, I, you mentioned sort of product development. What's happening is horrible, but it's been very interesting in our space to see there's a lot of good ideas coming out of it. That sounds like a good idea. We put out a survey into the field Last week, I just want to get um, information on like the reopening plans of allocators, because if we know that like you at California based allocators are in fact going to the office and accepting meetings, that's really helpful to impart to our audience. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't charge them for, in a sense, in the way you charge fuel for information, we monetize it in different ways. But there's been a lot of um, there's been a pleasant amount of silver linings in this industry about what's happening during COVID times. It's not all, you know, it's very easy to be extremely negative about everything right now, but it's interesting to see small pockets of the industry really innovating and trying to do better. Um, Even competitors of ours running events with uh, charity aspects of it. Uh, Great ideas, really trying to help people. So. Yeah. It's uh, so we've been working from home, for me specifically since March 11th. So that's four months now, um, which seems like an eternity. Uh, I know you've been kind of doing the same and uh, unfortunately it doesn't look like it's heading in a good direction right now, at least down where we are uh, down here, the investment headquarters in Atlanta. Yeah, we, we, we hold virtual events every two weeks starting in late March. And we've been asking the same question of the audience every two weeks. So we have a growing data set, a growing depressing data set. The question was, I'm paraphrasing because it's not in front of me. 
when do you believe that you, normal U.S. work routines defined as going to the office, work travel, and in-person meetings, in-person meetings will resume? When we asked that in March, the it was a plurality um, chose September. It kept every two weeks, kept going back. Yesterday, I had a webcast with around 140 public pension plans and around 300 asset managers. We asked the same question. Of those 400, one person chose September. Wow. And something like 80 to 90 percent chose Q1 or Q2 of 2021. It's the the it's obviously every two weeks we get more information, um, and it. But what at first was expected to be like a five month thing when we didn't quite know how bad it was going to get, now looks like the expectation of our community is that normal U.S. work routines will not resume until you know a year after this started, March or April of next year. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And we talked about it. We've crossed paths before at, at one of our conferences last year and and that was canceled this year. And you know, we don't know what that will look like for next year. And so all we can kind of do is scenario plan and say, okay, if we can have it, what will it look like? But we're yeah. kind of moving forward now with virtual events. We do these quarterly trends briefings um, hosted by John Molesfini here, who I, I believe you, you know well. I know um, John well, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and those have become very popular because they're just an easy way for someone to log on and listen to kind of the, the trends and insights that we can provide. And um, I think in reading your article, it made me think about, too, how we've kind of transformed from this just provider of data, just a database where someone submits it and someone kind of reads it out on the other side to now a provider of more insights, like the thing, the things you're looking at, like what are consultants and investors screening on, um, what mm -hmm. type of strategies are in demand, where are flows going? And that's what we're seeing asset managers really value now um, on top of just the competitive intellig intelligence they can get from the database. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, we, you know, we've done, we've moved everything virtually and we continue to play around with formats and, and techniques. But the, the fact of the matter is, and I've been told this probably 200 times in the last four months, and I agree with it, is that nothing replaces the in-person connection mm -hmm. that sales teams and asset managers are looking for. The, the big are going to get bigger and the rich richer. <laughs> Until, until we can get people in front of other people again. You know, right now, if you're Apollo, you're sitting in a good position because you are well-known, you have a great brand, you have existing relationships with pretty much every allocator who matters, and they are comfortable giving you more money without meeting you face-to-face -face right now because yeah. they've already met you face-to-face. -face. It's those small managers, and small can still be three, four, five billion, that they are, the longer this goes on, the more they lose to Apollo and KKR and, and BlackRock and PIMCO because they haven't had those first initial meetings. And despite being at home for four months or maybe because of it, they know that they will never get an allocation from someone they haven't met in person. No, that's, that's a good point. And um, very timely, actually, this afternoon, I've, I'm doing another uh, a podcast with um, a consultant on kind of uh, what they're looking for in a small manager and how small managers can get out in front of them in COVID times, um, either as uh, an, an existing manager in uh, kind of on their list or um, for the first time. So uh, we've our client success management team has a group focused on small managers, and they uh, they've been doing a lot to help those managers kind of stay out ahead because they know this is most challenging for them. 
it'll be interesting to hear what the consultant has to say. I, I was on the phone yesterday with a, a three and a half billion dollar hedge funds head of marketing and sales, and you know he was presenting that sort of the Apollo problem, yeah. Apollo problem for him. And his idea was he goes he goes he needs to like somehow get their message out without meeting in person. So he's talking about do, do I engage more with the press? Do I do more advertising thought leadership? Am I should I be doing webcasts? being much more proactive in the outside engagement than they were before. Because if the small manager's main tool to meet new clients was conferences before, that tool is completely gone for the foreseeable future. Yeah. And so they have to they have to do it other ways. Well that those were the questions I had for you. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh and I thought the article was really interesting when I first started reading it. I was like, oh boy, what am I in for here at the beginning? The <laughs> Elizabeth Holmes reference. I was like, oh man. But uh that was really good. I, I actually appreciate uh, maybe not a skeptical, but a suspicious uh, approach um, and then kind of just reaching out to understand. Every industry has charlatans. <laughs> Asset management is no different. And, you know, I sometimes worry that I might be a charlatan, <laughs> um, but I have this this awesome job where I get to ask a ton of questions mm-hmm. and I don't feel stupid asking the <laughs> questions. And so I'm always suspicious when there's there's all these players saying they solve this problem. And uh, my, my instinct is always, you know, 90% of this is bullshit, right? You know, <laughs> we don't need to reinvent the wheel here. Um, but it's, especially in the tech space, and you probably, you, you live it, there's so much jargon and so much, you know, you could argue there's a culture of um, fake it till you make it in the tech space. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you mentioned Elizabeth Holmes. She is obviously the, the, one of the prime examples of that. And so that's where my suspicion comes from. But, you know, if there are, if 90% of it is bullshit, there's still 10% of it, which is very real. And I, you know, at risk of sounding like an ad for investment, it's very obvious that investment is very real. Just as institutional investor with our events and our media is very real. Um, And so that's my skepticism is always there. That's part of being a journalist too. But, um, you know, it certainly is not warranted with investment. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. Well, uh, thanks again for taking the time. Uh, I hope uh, you and your family stay safe and uh, hopefully can enjoy the summer as much as possible. Yeah, well, I'm actually about to go off and find out the gender of my unborn child. Are you really? Uh, That's awesome. COVID COVID baby. (laughs) So uh, we found out the gender of ours three days ago. Congrats. We're having a boy. So we have a a two-year-old boy um, now. And, um, so this will be our second child, uh, and found out we're having another boy. So congrats um, COVID. I have my longtime deputy, um, who it's like my longtime deputy editor is married to one of my very best friends since I introduced him and they're having a baby like nine days after us. <laughs> um, I think there's going to be, uh, the COVID boom. Um, cause yeah. <laughs> when we announced, we started to have some people tell us, Oh, we're pregnant or, uh, we know our friends uh, just announced. So, um, that's awesome. Congratulations. Do you have a, a gut feeling on what it might be? I think it's a girl, but yeah. we'll see. I'm 50, uh, 50 really. <laughs> um, and do you have other kids or is this your first? I have two, two stepchildren. So they're coming with us. Um, they're eight and nine. So there's, we have inbuilt babysitters ready to go. So, that's awesome. Um, 
Well, good luck. Uh, that's very exciting. Uh, I'm actually uh, interested to know. So maybe shoot me an email and, and let me know. I'll, I will. Good. Um, All right. Thanks. So much. Yeah. All right. Uh, talk to you soon. You as well. Bye. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Kip McDaniel. I really enjoyed this episode because it was actually pretty different than anything we've done up to this point. Kip's skeptical mindset was quite refreshing to me as someone who lives investment every day. We touched on a few different types of data and insights that investment can provide in today's episode. We talked about asset flow trends, trends in the search activity of consultants and investors using investment every day, and also how investment can help managers build brand awareness through a comprehensive database strategy. Please contact Claire Spencer at investment.com for more information. I want to thank you for listening, and we look forward to hearing from you soon.